Look at you getting all hip and fancy. You like that? The pod. pod. Yeah. It's like calling it Kitsch. Welcome to Kitsch. (laughs) You're listening to the pod. I don't know what it is, but I've always enjoyed the trips to Guelph. And not just because they're the shortest trip we make uh, for road games with the Kitchener Rangers, but I actually started broadcasting OHL hockey in Guelph at what what was then called the Guelph Sports and Entertainment Center. But what I like about going back now, apparently not a lot of turnover within employees at the city of Guelph <laughs> because it's the same group of guys and gals working at the arena and then the same off-ice OHL officials that you run into in the media room. And I got to tell you, these folks could not be kinder to me. And and the Highway 7 rivalry, as we still like to call it, let's be honest, it's not what it once was. But even when it was at its most intense uh, it, it feels like family. It, it feels like family when I go back into that building and I appreciate it and I appreciate the people so much. It just makes it feel like a bit of a, a second home game. We called our first game together uh, there earlier this year and I couldn't, still can't figure out why they are so nice to you. I mean, <laughs> well, because you know me so well. Yeah. yeah. They that, only... Well, that and you left for Kitchener. I mean, <laughs> that's true. You know, you, you were the, the what one lone trade besides Robbie Fabry. That uh, went from Guelph to Kitchener. That's a very good point. I had and, forgotten about Fabry. Yeah. Never played for Never the Rangers, played, though. But no. ra- I always like to say, <laughs> pass Kitchener Ranger. Uh, but you're right. We tried to leave the press box, and people were stopping you, handing out, uh, giving you hats and stuff that they were giving to, to fans that game, and asking you how you were doing, and asking if you had a good butter tart lately, all the, all the usual things, and how the new talk show was going at the time on 570 coming over from uh, our sister station. And it, uh, it was, it's pretty cool to see those people still around in that in the old GSEC. I think it speaks to uh, the city of Guelph in, in, in a larger sense and uh, more specifically I, I think it speaks to this league and our podcast guest this week uh, is somebody that's spent a good deal of time in this league and, and also I think values the relationships uh, and the people that he sees on a, on a regular basis and then continues to see sporadically as the years go on. Listen, it's it's not an easy job to do for a long period of time. There's often turnover in these jobs, and we talk about it, you know, riding the bus on all those kilometers. Sometimes it's not as glory or gloriful as people think. You know, it's funny you say that because you were away this past weekend for work, for your day job. Yeah. And we, job, yeah. we, uh, we brought Don Cameron back onto the broadcasts, which was an absolute thrill. The, the feedback we got from fans, I mean, it, it's like nobody ever <laughs> listens to you and I, but who can blame them? But, yeah, they were like, get rid of that other guy, bring Cammy back. Well, but you talk about it's, it's not easy to do this job for a long time, and there's a guy that did it for 50 plus years. But I joked with Don uh, on our weekend together because he was at the Ranger game, uh, the home game on the Friday night brought, doing the broadcast with me. And I said, you know, Don, you were alongside, you and I did games for five years together, six, five. And then before that, he was with the same partner for some 15 years. Yeah. You're already, this is my third year doing play-by-play on the radio, and you're already my thir- my second broadcast partner. I'm like, what am what? And then I can't keep you for weekends, and <laughs> we're, we're going to lose you for a day after Christmas, yeah. and I've got somebody. I'm like, what's, is it just me? Well, I mean. Guelph likes me. Maybe I should just go back. <laughs> it's it's still when you say fifty plus years. That's crazy. Um, but I'm glad people enjoyed Cammy on the broadcast. I mean, I would have too if I could have listened. I was I, down in Denver. I did catch myself uh, in in early in the first period uh, in the game on Friday night at at the odd 
just listening. And it, yeah. it just, it got me again because Don Cameron was the soundtrack to my hockey youth mm-hmm. in this community, right? So yeah. anyway, how was Denver? It was, uh, you know what? So I, Denver, Colorado, right? Uh, Colorado. What, uh, is there another Gorgeous, Denver? the Sunshine okay. State. Uh, that's an old school comment. Um, and so I go down, I go down there. <laughs> You didn't get that one? <laughs> no, I didn't, but I'm thinking oh. of, I, because it's that time of year where everybody likes talking about Die Hard, right. and they talk about the Helsinki syndrome, and as in Helsinki, Sweden. Yes. <laughs> Finland. Finland. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I apologize. Denver, Colorado. Gotcha. Uh, so I'm packing my bag, and I'm going through my checklist that I have, right, because I don't want to forget my passport. That's a good idea, because <laughs> if you missed episode, the most recent episode before this of the Farwell and Pope podcast, that was episode 10, he holds up two hands. Yeah. High 10. 10. Uh, Pope forgot his passport when we needed to cross the border. Yeah. So I made sure I had my passport. Not a boy. And I packed my bag up, of course. You know, usual Chris doing it the night before at like one, two in the morning. Um, so then I'm, I'm supposed to be down there for six. Yes. Or six or even 530. And um, so I'm going through my stuff and I sweaters you know, I got my winter mitts packed, my toque. I hate being cold. All of the things you didn't pack when we went to Northern Ontario yeah, exactly, with the Rangers, exactly. even though you hate being cold. Yeah. Okay. This so, all makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pack it. Then I'm just like, you know what? I'm wide awake. I'm jacked. I'm just going to drive to the airport now. So I drove to the airport at like 3.30 in the morning, grabbed a bite to eat on the way to keep myself awake and slept on the airport floor for a bit. There you go. For Peak a couple traffic. Hours. Exactly. It sure. was perfect. Yeah. I got to check in nice and early. Anyway, so I get down there. I'm feeling like... Pfft, I am so prepped for this. I feel good. I have, I know I haven't forgot a thing. Get down there. I'm talking to my uh, coworkers on the on the plane, and they're like, "Man, did you take a look at the weather?" I'm like, "No, why?" Man, 16 and sunny all weekend. Ah, oh, I brought nothing but winter clothes, <laughs> sweaters, <laughs> pants, toques, and gloves. Sunshine and 16. We're tailgating. I'm in a black T-shirt and I'm sweating. Let me get this straight. <laughs> Okay, because I really, I, I'm trying to understand. I've been trying for half a season already yeah. to understand you. Good luck. We go to Northern Ontario on a road trip with the Rangers. North Bay, Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie. Those are the three stops. You check the weather before we leave on that trip yeah. and decide that you don't need any winter clothing. Yeah. None. Well, it was like, it was three degrees when I checked. Okay, Point Perfect. being, you checked, yeah. you bought into the forecast, big mistake, yeah. and we're completely underdressed. This time, you don't check the weather, you overpack the winter gear, and you end up being overdressed for your destination. Well, I was lucky enough that I was still going to wear a t-shirt underneath the sweaters and stuff, so I still had t-shirts to wear. It's just I completely overpacked, and I could have probably taken a much smaller suitcase. Um the northern trip, though, bothers you way more than it should. Well, I just don't understand. <laughs> like, Again, I'm trying. I never once complained about it being cold. No, I, I get that. But knowing you and, and how much you dislike being cold, mm-hmm. it, it fascinates me that yeah. you would have gone to northern Ontario without even a spring jacket. Yeah. And, and again, you, you check the weather before you go there and still underdress for it. But you don't check the weather before you go to Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Well, it's in, the for it, of it's in the rock. Dress of course. It's in the rock. It's gonna be cold. It's, it's fine. December in Colorado. Listen, it's been half a season. My lovely pa- parents, Jamie and Darlene, have been trying to figure it out for thirty-one years. They haven't got it. I might. I might visit over Christmas, and and we can just we can have a drink together. 
your mom, your yeah. dad, and I, and say, I just, I just, maybe I'll just ask them, what on earth did you do wrong? Hey, you guys are the same age, roughly. Wow. <laughs> you know, there are things that are called for on this podcast, <laughs> and then there's that. All I want to know is this, Popper. Yeah. All I want to know is this. After my weekend of of wondering what it is about me that prevents people from wanting to work with me for longer than a season or two, will you commit to sticking around for, I don't know, I'm going to pull out an arbitrary number here, 1,800 games? Well, listen, that's a long time. I'd have to talk about the guys that are writing up my contract to see if I can stick around for 1,800. Uh, if they keep uh, upping the pay, then sure. Why? What? Why does it? Why do you choose that number, Mike? Well, you see, Chris, <laughs> there's method to the madness. I oh, see, you see how it works logically with me. Yeah, I unlike get it. you. Yeah, I get okay. It. Our guest on this week's podcast is none other than the voice of the Guelph Storm, Guelph Platers, but not Guelph or Biltmore Mad. No, the Guelph Mad Hatters, Biltmore Mad. Anyway. Larry Malott. <laughs> That's right. I <laughs> right? like that. We just stop it right Guelph. there. Larry Malott joins us. First on and the pod foremost, this week. Mr. Malott. Congratulations on 1,800 games at the mic with the Guelph Storm. That's impressive stuff. Well, thanks. It, it kind of caught me a little off guard. Uh, I guess the radio station organized it with the Storm. I thought they'd wait, as I was telling you the other day, maybe 2,000 would have made some degree of sense, but maybe I won't be around for 2,000. I don't know. Let's not talk like that. <laughs> Larry, do, do you remember your first one? Oh, this, this was a question Mike asked the other day. Um, barely. It was back in 1975, and it was when the Guelph Platers were playing in the Southern Ontario Junior Hockey League. And I was working with Norm Jerry, and I was fortunate to have uh, the same kind of mentor you guys had with Don Cameron. Uh, Norm Jerry in the 1960s was the TV play-by-play voice of the New York Rangers, so it was a, a thrill to work with him. And I know for Mike uh, and Chris to work with Don Cameron, same type of deal. But as for that first game, not really. Now, Norm also was the mayor of Guelph, so maybe if you're not around till 2000, Larry, is a political future in your offing? <laughs> I, very much. He was the mayor. He was the news and sports director of the the radio station, and one of the best play-by-play people in North America. There's also a park named after him in Guelph, if I'm not mistaken. There is so. So Larry Malott Lane, at the very least, I think we could work on. No, I don't think so. By the <laughs> way, let me throw out a little piece of trivia, and I'm, I'm wondering if many really young Kitchener Ranger fans would be aware of this. Uh, but the Kitchener Rangers are the Guelph Biltmore Mad Hatters. The franchise left Guelph in 1963. So you guys took our hockey team, and then you came in to town on Sunday and spanked the current one. (laughs) (laughs) I heard that was a good one for uh, the Rangers and not so good one for the Storm. You heard right. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, I wonder if, uh, you know, irrespective of your memories of that first game, but 1,800 games later, I loved the video uh, that was shown, and even the OntarioHockeyLeague.com website picked it up, of you being presented with the Guelph Storm jersey, number 1,800 on the back, up in the broadcast perch. There you are, uh, working with your, uh, by the light, by the little light that's provided there, because of course the arena's dark, it's great that the Storm uh, provide those lights, but does, has your preparation for a game changed in the 1800 that you've done is it easier now i don't know that it's easier i get to the arena two and a half three hours before a game and obviously whatever time the team arrives on the road but it's the same procedure that you would follow and i think most people in this league 
You go talk to both teams, you get the scratches, you find out about the line combinations, you do some interviews, you try to get little tidbits of information about injuries, and and sometimes they're a little bit better about sharing those than they are later on in the season. Uh, So it's the same deal, and just there soaking up the atmosphere and getting ready for the game, it's a great place to spend normally, for me, for you, I would imagine five, six hours when uh, when it's game day. 1,800 games there. What's what's one that stands out when you look back on those 1,800 and you're like, that was an awesome game to call? Uh, a couple in particular. I guess certainly the first time the Storm won the Ontario Hockey League Championship in 98. I also did the game when they won the Centennial Cup in the Tier 2 days in 1978. And the two coaches uh, back then, Terry Simpson with the Prince Albert Raiders, and Ron Smith of the Guelph Platers both went on to coach in the National Hockey League. Uh, probably one of the, the most exciting games, though, was in, in 2014 up in North Bay, and it would have been uh, game number three of that series. And North Bay was leading with about 15 seconds to go, and the Storm came back and not only tied it, but won it in those last 15 seconds or so to really uh, grab hold of that final series against North Bay. You talk about uh, that 2014 run, obviously Robbie Fabry, a big part of that team. And and for my money, I've only been in the league for, I don't know, I I lose track, 15 or so years, but I'm not sure I've seen a more talented Storm team. And I'll go, I'll take it back to the, one of the first Storm teams I covered because I started uh, my OHL career covering Guelph. That goes back to the team with Marty St. Pierre, Dan Paille and company. Yeah, Dan Paille, unfortunately, out with a concussion at the moment, still still playing over in Europe. Matt Ryan, you might run into with NHL Central Scouting. He was a 40-goal scorer in that team. That was a really skilled team. The 2014 team was skilled. I still have a tendency to think the best Storm team, with the emphasis on the team part that uh, I've seen over the years, was the team that won in 1998. The first time George Burnett was the coach here because they had a bit of everything. They had great goaltending, very good on defense, a solid hockey team, a physically punishing hockey team, and they came within an overtime uh, goal of winning the Memorial Cup that year. You mentioned the the, the punishing team. I'm going to go back to the team of uh, Dan Paye and Matt Ryan. They acquired a guy who was pretty punishing uh, heading into the playoffs, that being Cam Jansen. What, what do you remember about the guy or what, what he brought to that hockey club? Because he added a total different element than they that, that they had. Well, quick funny story about Cam. The, the first time I interviewed him, I said, Cam, you're from St. Louis. What got you into the uh, hockey and the Ontario Hockey League? And he said, well, as a kid, I was looking around at which sport I really wanted to play, and the only one that had let me fight was hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he he added that protection element, and you guys know it, it. It's changed over the years. Obviously, you don't go out and get that guy who fights anymore. You've got to have more to your game than that. But on the other hand, uh, let's say for example, in the Gulf Storm, Giovanni Smith, big physical presence, who has other players and other teams watching for him and thinking about him a little bit, and in the end, creating a little bit more time and space for his line mates. You, you mentioned Cam Jansen, and he was always one to uh, tell a story to the media. He always liked whenever someone was willing to talk to him. Who are some of the other guys that you've covered in your days covering the storm that you, you knew that you were going to get a good clip from or that was a really good interview? Well, the, the best interview on the team right now, and, and he's had so much practice at it because of his initiatives with uh, mental health, is the captain, Garrett McFadden. 
And I've kidded him that if uh, this hockey thing doesn't work out for him, he has a career as a public speaker. Yeah, he is good. I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's a great kid. Cam Jansen, by the way, I always remembered what uh, former coach Sean Camp, and, and Sean still coaches the University of Guelph here, had to say about him. He called him his cartoon. <laughs> I, I remember too that because I remember covering the team when Cam was there too, Larry, and uh, I, I found him to be a, a tremendously colorful interview. And 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 looking back, it seems to be the guys that uh, that are known for their pugilism tend to be some of the most entertaining interviews you're ever going to find in the league. And the quietest, most polite people off the ice too. Isn't it strange how that works out? But they, yeah, that's what I found over the years too. Okay, not to focus too much on players, but when you mentioned Giovanni Smith and we're talking Cam Jansen, we could go on and on, but I want to just say a name to you and get the reaction, and that name is Tyler Carroll. Tyler Carroll. Uh, boy, you talk about a game that I uh, remember vividly. It would be right around this time of the year. It was approaching Christmas time, and the Storm and the Rangers had back-to-back games against each other to finish up uh, the pre-Christmas portion of the schedule for both of them. And Tyler Carroll was out in the penalty kill, and the Storm were two men short. And, and he threw himself in front of so many shots that he could barely move by the time the penalty kill was over. And oddly enough, scored the winning goal later in the game. But I remember the round of applause from Kitchener fans, and I was stunned because, let's face it, <laughs> visiting players aren't going to get a whole lot of appreciation uh, when they go into buildings where the fans are so vocal and, and so driven, understandably, to the home team that they actually recognize that that was a, an individual brave shift and maybe the bravest shift in hockey I've seen. That's exactly why I mentioned the name, because, of course, by that time, I'm in Kitchener calling the game. I remember it so well, uh, the, the performance, the applause from the fans, and then to, to tie a bow on this, it was that home and home that you mentioned just before Christmas. I'm talking to Tyler pregame back in Guelph at the, the last game before the Christmas break. And I say to him, you know, it's a time of year, gets distracted. I know you've got 60 minutes of hockey, but what are your plans for the Christmas break? And he said to me, I'm going to ice my feet. <laughs> Not only the feet, I saw the bruises up and down the legs and I thought, wow, I knew those shots had to hurt, but there's the proof. You mentioned that was a Guelph and Kitchener game, Larry. Over 1,800 games. How have you seen the Highway 7 rivalry change over the years? I don't know that it ever has changed. It, it's highly competitive, and I, I would think a game like the 10-3 to 3 game and, and the Storm have had one-sided victories over the years, but it's more apt to be a game decided by a couple of goals, and you can certainly tell the heated rivalry is there, but uh, respect for each other there as well. And how could you possibly get well, you can't possibly get geographically any closer rivalry than this. There are times when I thought maybe they should separate uh, the games between the two a little bit. They play each other eight times. The Storm play Owen Sound eight times. Why not spread it around a little bit? I'm not sure that ultimately the fans in either city would really like that. Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> uh, the Highway 7 rivalry is great for all of us because it's about a 20-minute trip, and uh, we put on a lot of miles through the course of a season. I still think that we're a little bit spoiled here in southern Ontario. We're pretty close to major highways, and, and the travel isn't too onerous compared to what it might be for a Sault Ste. Marie, for example. But what trip or trips do you remember as being less than pleasant, Larry? Well, always the trip to Sault Ste. Marie, because <laughs> normally you know that uh, you're going to face a tough opponent, and this year an almost unbeatable one, uh, but it's simply eight hours on the bus. 
And, you know, when I think about it, I was out west uh, for several years in the 80s, and one of the other stations in town did Regina Pats play-by-play when I was there, but I did the PA for them and talked to uh, the players about their road trips. And their closest road trip, Moose Jaw wasn't in the league at that point, was three hours north to Saskatoon. That was the closest. And they'd head out on the road for seven to ten days at a time. So we probably shouldn't whine about travel in the Ontario Hockey League. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Larry, when we were talking to Don Cameron uh, on the podcast earlier this season, I asked him a very important question, and I want to ask you because you've you talked about those bus rides. Have you found a good way to sleep on the bus? Absolutely, positively not. Suggest <laughs> 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 something. I, I try gravel, and it, it enables you to get a little dozy and relax. But on the other hand, at some point you wake up and think, I'm not comfortable. I, my legs hurt, my arms hurt, my back hurts. What are you going to do about this? Right. No, I haven't found a way. I'm yeah. telling you that might be a multi-million dollar idea if we can put our craniums together and come up with a way to help people sleep on these buses. Please tell me about it when you find it. <laughs> Larry, you made the uh, the veteran move when we were in there on Sunday, and you and I did a little bit of a pregame chat uh, that you could record and use when the teddy bears rained down onto the ice because, you know, these delays, at least this one we knew was coming at some point, and you had a little bit of audio that could take the pressure off you as the voice on the broadcast. Of course, it doesn't always work that way. We don't always know the stoppage is coming. Have you ever been on the air when a pane of glass broke, some kind of major delay happened, and you're there on the island trying to fill the time? Absolutely. It's happened a couple of times with the, the broken glass routine, and that's when you dig back into uh, your memories and tell the old stories. And at the same time, if you're really smart about this, and it's been easier to do over the years because the recorders, uh, the digital recorders have gotten so much better, I stockpile interviews just in case. And I learned, actually, it was a lesson I learned a long time ago back in those early days in the 70s doing play by play. I'd rely on live interviews, and I can always remember, and I think it was in some place like uh, North York, wanting a player on the other team who wasn't uh, going to play that night to join me, and watching him sitting up in the stands kind of smirking at me, knowing that he'd stiffed me in the interview. <laughs> so I, I, I've never been really fond of uh, relying on live interviews since. You. Going back to, you mentioned that the uh, Guelph Platers left town. and Actually, the Biltmore Mad Hatters before the Platers. The Platers went to Owen Sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, so the Mad Hatters left to come to Kitchener, and then the Platers left to go to Owen Sound. So there's been time when the Guelph Air, Guelph City, hasn't had an OHL team. What does, what does the OHL team mean to that city? Well, it's a team that attracts roughly 4,300 fans a game. And when you compare it to bigger centers, uh, the per capita attendance here is, is pretty darn good. And it hasn't, hasn't mattered the last couple of years that they've missed the playoffs. I wouldn't suggest they try for three and, and see if that uh, the fans are still interested in continuing to show up to that <laughs> extent. But it, it's the major, a major event in the city. When you started out, Larry, uh, I'm, I'm not sure any of us imagine 1,800 games later, but here we are. D- did you ever think that uh, the OHL would be the final stop, or had, did you have aspirations to maybe move on to the A or the NHL in your broadcasting career? 
there was a, a very brief period of time when I, I thought I had a serious chance of the Washington Capitals job, and it happened because George McPhee had taken over as general manager in my very first year of doing play-by-play. Uh, George was a 17-year-old playing here in town, and he phoned me after he got to Washington and thought uh, maybe the position was open, maybe he could fill it. He had to call me back and politely uh, say that he was told that wasn't his position to fill and had already been taken care of. But that was one time when I I thought maybe, just maybe, there was a chance there. Uh, But the Ontario Hockey League, you run into people from the NHL all the time. You get to do interviews with some of the all-time greats. And you, at the same time, get to watch the guys who will become the all-time greats. I asked Chris Hartsburg when he was in town with... uh, Erie Otters, uh, the last time they were here, how much fun it was for him simply to watch a Connor McDavid on the ice. And he laughed and he said, he did things that I still can't believe. So that's part of the fun of the game. You mentioned interviewing some of the all-time greats and stuff. What were a couple of the interview highlights of your career, personally? Top of the list, Gordy Howe. I'm a Red Wings fan from way back when, and uh, Gordy Howe, uh, has always been my idol, and he and his wife joined me for an entire intermission at Guelph Memorial Gardens in 1997. And my wife over the years has given me heck for not saving interviews. I've talked to people in and out of hockey. Terry Fox comes immediately to mind. He ran just up the road in Guelph in 1980. Didn't save that one. Saved the Gordy Howe interview, and what a, a gracious man. And, and what it was so much fun to find out that he was just as nice off the ice as uh, everybody said he was. And most people in hockey uh, tend to be that way, which is part of the fun of covering this game, too. As a Red Wing fan, Larry, I want to hear that interview. <laughs> I've got it. You can hear it anytime Perfect. you want. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we've covered a broad spectrum of things here, Larry. And, and if I go back to the comment about uh, Cam Jansen being the kind of player that a team used to go out and get but doesn't anymore. In fact, dare I say the Cam Jansen's uh, that type doesn't really exist in the league anymore. Over 1,800 games, uh, hockey has obviously changed. The Ontario Hockey League has changed with its emphasis on finesse and skill and speed. How do you like the game today compared to the game it was when you first started broadcasting it? Well, I really like the speed and skill of the game. I'm one of these people who think maybe there, there are always ways to improve things, and I really wish we could play the game in the bigger ice surface uh, because the people who've been around for a long time will tell you that so many things have changed. The players have gotten bigger. They've gotten faster. I recall going to an NHL game years ago in Montreal and looking down at the ice surface at the size of the players and thinking, there's not enough ice out there. There's still not <laughs> enough ice out there. We need to figure out something uh, to give those guys a bit more room to maneuver. And that's just it. It's uh, speed and skill Still some of the physical play, but not the physical play and the the fighting and all that nonsense we saw years ago. Larry, we can't thank you enough for uh, for taking the time for us on this. And and here's to another 1,800 games for you in the league. Well, I don't know about that, but I will say I hope there aren't too many more 10-3 Kitchener wins. <laughs> I live with a 4-3 loss to the Rangers, but 10-3, uh, not so much. I like it. I like. We all get a little bit biased towards the teams we cover, and I say that's okay, Larry. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Thank you very much. We'll see you down the road pretty soon, okay? Merry Christmas. Thanks, Larry. Yeah, you guys have a great Christmas, too. Two big wins on the weekend for the Rangers, and I still have a job. So I'm going to go ahead and take that. Here's what two 
big wins for the Kitchener Rangers do, it gets them back into at least honorable mention status yeah. in the top 10. Don't even get me started on the top 10. But anyway. Uh, who decide, Here's the question. You don't like your three stars. Why is there only three honorable mentions? Shouldn't there only be one? If you're going to get an honorable mention, you're honorable mentioning three teams. Why not do a top 13 then? This is a good question. Perhaps the best you've had all season. <laughs> oh, you like that one, don't you? The Rangers <laughs> found themselves ranked seventh on the CHL top 10 before that disastrous Northern Roads swing, which was disastrous for more than just Chris Pope's wardrobe. <laughs> and they fell right out of the top 10. But all of a sudden, you string together some victories, one of them in impressive fashion, and all of a sudden you're back in honorable mention territory. And you are staring down the barrel. Of number one coming into town. Oh, my goodness right? gracious. I'm just, I'll bring it up. Number one with a bullet. Yeah, the, the, I mean. The Sioux looks good. They look really good. And, and here's the most unfortunate thing, what you think of the rankings notwithstanding. Uh, WHL, QMJHL, it's, it's Canada-wide. We don't mm. get to see these other teams, obviously. But I will tell you that pound for pound and dollar for dollar, this Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds team, holy Hannah, is it good. They are good. Much like my trip to Denver, I should say. Shout out Mile High. That place was awesome, even for a team that's not very good right now. Um, well, the NFL experience is something It was my special. very first one. Okay. My yeah. very first NFL Not even game. Buffalo. Not even Buffalo. Wow. I, I had no interest in going. None. I would much rather just do the tailgate. I actually, long story short, I missed the bus to the tailgate. Shocking. But <laughs> made my way over there. And uh, yeah, it was a pretty cool tailgating experience. Had a couple beers, obviously working for a, a Molson and then throwing the ball around and stuff. We were playing some cornhole. They had bands going around and it, it was awesome. Went in, I bought right in, bought a Broncos t-shirt and hooping and hollering. It was my, pretty cool. My buddies and I used to do an NFL trip every year and we did it for about 12 years before we finally kind of gave up the ghost after spending more than 200 bucks to buy a ticket. And, yeah. and, and we're like, okay, yeah, there might be better uses of our money than flying across the country and, and buying a, a ticket outside the stadium, nah. but, you know, but anyway, but what, but why the, not? But the NFL experience yeah. is, uh, is something to behold. There's it, no doubt about that. It was cool. So too was the experience in golden. If you've never been to golden Colorado, Oh, what a town I've been to golden British Columbia. Does yeah. that count? No. Cause okay. I've been there too. Right. Much also different. a very nice place. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's less of a t- or de- or golden Colorado's much more of a town. I don't know if it's as good looking as golden BC though. The uh, Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, as we bring you back to the Ontario Hockey League, have an opportunity to, if I've got my math right, are they going to be the third longest streak? Yes. Owen Sounds no. has got to be in there, though. Tied 17. They were both they're tied. T- but no, they're tied oh, no, sorry, with London. Owen, yeah, One of the were, London streaks was 17. Yes, they're London, ahead of Owen Sound. Owen Sound was 15. That's right. They just went a long time without losing in regulation. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the London Knights had a 24-game yeah. as well. And Well, that was the highest, right? No. Oh, it wasn't? No. Because the OHL's uh, Instagram and slash Twitter account posted longest winning streaks in recent history. Well, but that's and because... And forgot one, though. Well, no, but they said recent. So I that's know, but I'm still, gonna, why do recent? Well, great question, hmm. because we are a society that wants it here, wants it now. I gotcha. But we all know that the CHL record for consecutive wins is 25. And who would you think hosts that i'm I, i'm at a loss because I, I get called a homer enough you say it this time <laughs> your <laughs> kitchener rangers that's right 25 consecutive wins for a team that coming into christmas looked like it would uh be down and out and forgotten and then something happened now that's a story when we get don cameron on the podcast again 
we'll just talk to him about that 25 game run back in the early 1980s. You guys drive to golf by yourself? Yeah, we did. How was that? Oh, I hate you. Yeah, sorry. I hate you. Stories, right? <laughs> stories. That's all we have is yeah. stories. Yeah. Like, we, we, I always joke. I just, hey, Don, how are you? Good. What, uh, what happened in 73? <laughs> and then just sit back. We also had the uh, the teddy bear toss in Guelph. Although, shout out to the crew there. They did a fabulous job of cleaning up pretty quickly. I didn't hear the final number of, of bears. I thought it was about 5,000. Okay. They, it, roughly. It, it went pretty I quick. Believe. But maybe it's because I just turned to Don for a story on the air, and all of a sudden the bears were cleaned yeah. up. How was he as a color commentator to your play-by-play? Yeah, right. That's what happened. <laughs> Oh, uh, it was uh, it was good. T- take a take a break anytime. We'll we'll bring Don back yeah, on the okay. broadcast. Sure. Although I'm sure you'd say the same. So yeah, exactly. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm only here because he stepped away. I think. And remember, anytime he, he wants to come back. That's right. He is one step away from the booth at any time. I'm well aware my For, seat becomes vacant. <laughs> either one of us. Either one of us. Uh, we've got one of these to go before Christmas. I'm thinking. I'm just going to put you on the spot, but I think next okay. week we should probably just, you know, because it's all home games for the Kitchener Rangers. Yeah. We should probably just do like a little Christmas wish list or something like that. Ooh, Not okay. for us, but, you know, teams. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. I think all but 19 or all but one team. No, two. I'll put down two teams that do not want a starting goaltender for Christmas. Is there a team that doesn't want to start and go? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, the Windsor yeah. Spitfires, Windsor, I don't think, want one. Well, no, they do. They want one in return. <laughs> <laughs> They're not trading them. Okay. All right. This might be a sneak preview of uh, episode 12 of the uh, Farwell and Polk podcast, but this has been episode 11 for number 1800 for Larry Malott. At Farwell underscore OHL, at underscore Chris Pope. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.